Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. This, of course, is the infamous First Amendment, part of the Bill of Rights of the Constitution ratified on December 15, 1791. I've been thinking a lot about the Bill of Rights over the past two years and have a bunch of thoughts that I wanted to share. But in addition, last October of 2021, I had the privilege of being at an outdoor public event in Times Square where Robert F. Kennedy Jr. gave a talk in which he shared his legal knowledge as it pertains to the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and what's been going on for the past two years. So I think it's time for me to combine all of this, my thoughts and what I've learned from RFK Jr., and make it into my rant of the week. You see, the founders put freedom of speech in the First Amendment because the rest of the Bill of Rights relies on it. In fact, pretty much everything relies on it. But take a good look around. Doctors, scientists, and medical professionals are being silenced for not marching in lockstep with the COVID narrative. The same goes for any media figures bold enough to give these doctors, scientists, and medical professionals a platform. You may not even be able to share my podcast on your social media pages without running the risk of having your account suspended. This is happening at the request of elected officials of both parties, but admittedly, mostly Democrats right now. Reminder, Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. In other words, what is happening from coast to coast is a constitutional violation with zero science to support it. Congress shall make no law prohibiting the free exercise of religion. For most of 2020 and beyond, how many of you could peaceably assemble in the church, temple, mosque, or ashram of your choice? This is another violation of the Bill of Rights with zero science to support it. The Fourth Amendment defends the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures. How can anyone defend vaccine mandates and digital tracing with this foundation in mind? What would the founders say about the destruction of privacy when virtually everyone is forced to reveal their personal medical history in order to just participate in society? This is another violation of the Bill of Rights with zero science to support it. Part of the Fifth Amendment declares that no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law or just compensation. When I walked around New York City during the lockdowns, all I saw were people deprived of liberty and property without due process of law or just compensation. This is yet another violation of the Bill of Rights with zero science to support it. The Seventh Amendment affirms that the right of trial by jury shall be preserved. Let me ask you, 
if you get injured by the under-tested experimental vaccines, can you sue the government and or the pharmaceutical companies in a trial by jury? It's a short answer, no. This is yet another violation of the Bill of Rights with zero science to support it. Now let's get to the Eighth Amendment because this protects us from cruel and unusual punishment. And I will challenge you to answer the following questions. Is it cruel and unusual to deprive elderly people of the ability to spend time with their loved ones, to drive millions of small businesses into bankruptcy, to keep the faithful out of churches, temples, mosques, ashrams, or any religious or spiritual venue of their choice? Is it cruel and unusual to hold back effective medical treatments in order for big pharma to profit off dangerous therapies? To segregate society based on personal medical choices? Is it cruel and unusual to construct a false and deadly pandemic narrative on the faulty foundation of a flawed diagnostic test? To turn friends, families, co-workers, and neighbors against each other, to instill a fear matrix into the hearts and souls of as many Americans as possible? Is it beyond cruel and unusual to force children to isolate and wear masks, to force those same children to become laboratory rats for an experimental gene therapy? I could go on, but if you don't get it by now, well, you might as well turn off this podcast. But for those of you who re remain open, my free thinkers, please stick around and pay close attention. I'll be talking about just some of what your government and the corporations that own it have in store for us next if we don't snap out of this trance. Reminder, self-education is the first giant step toward recognizing the urgency behind defending our autonomy and sovereignty. So I urge you to keep listening, keep reading, and keep spreading the word. I'll be right back after this short break. Hello, Post-Woke listeners. Mickey Z here, inviting you to get involved. You can find me at mickeyz.substack.com. You can get the exact spelling of that. It's in the show notes. But you can join my Substack at Anytime you could subscribe for as little as $5 a month. And as a paid subscriber, you will get all the new podcasts earlier than anyone else. You will get all the articles I write, which is at least once a week. You'll have permission to comment on any and all posts that you choose. And also, you'll be really supporting this growing project. I guarantee you that in 2022, Post-Woke is going to grow. It's going to explode. And if you want to be a part of it, go to mickeyz.substack.com to subscribe now. Now, if $5 a month is not something you can afford now, you can subscribe for free. In that case, you will get emails every time there is a podcast or article available for you to read or listen to. And I would please urge you to do that if you can't afford to be a paid subscriber. And either way, whether you choose to pay or not, I'm requesting that you share this content, that you let people know that this is a podcast you listen to, that you like, and that you want the other people to listen to. You want to share this message of intellectual self-defense. So I thank you in advance for all your support, and I look forward to interacting with you all throughout 2022.
If I looked up irony in the dictionary, I'd half expect to find a video of a contemporary human being declaring, I'll put up with health passports in order to get my freedoms back. I wonder if they'd also put up with having a microchip implanted under their skin in exchange for even more liberty. Microchip. Yeah, I know. It's a word that seems to instantly strip you of all credibility these, these days. But what if I quote retired Colonel Matt Hepburn, a U.S. Army infectious disease physician at the Pentagon? Hepburn works for the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, a.k.a. DARPA, which is a top-secret advanced technology department of defense team. Hepburn appeared on 60 Minutes last year and stated, quote, that tiny green thing in there, you put it underneath your skin, and what that tells you is that there are chemical reactions going on inside the body, and that signal means that you're going to have symptoms tomorrow. It's like a check engine light, close quote. Before explaining this microchip idea further, please allow me to introduce a reminder of how all of this works. The Pentagon is where most of the big new tech ideas go through research and development, subsidized, of course, by us non-wealthy taxpayers. We may foot the bill, but we rarely, if ever, get to know what they're up to, and we never get any reward for our funding support. That reward is reserved for massive multinational corporations. The Pentagon does the, does the legwork. It fulfills whatever nefarious scheme is on the docket. It then passes on a version of the new technology to big business, who, of course, privatize all the profits and pay no taxes at the end of the year. To sum up, your sweat equity subsidizes research which is used against people across the globe and used right here to do things like spy on you 24-7. The technological advances you make possible also make CEOs and their shareholders obscenely rich and tax exempt. They also spy on you 24-7 while manipulating you into accepting life as a passive consumer. A passive consumer, in turn, unironically says things like, I'll put up with health passports and COVID microchips to get my freedoms back. This time around, we do get a reward, a reward that is a microchip embedded in a tissue-like gel for our own protection, of course. Here's how its purpose has been explained. The microchip is designed to continuous, continuously test the chip recipient's blood for the presence of the virus. Once COVID-19 is detected, the chip alerts the patient to conduct a rapid blood test, which can be self-administered to confirm the positive result. Of course, it will confirm the positive result. In theory, this can allegedly prevent future outbreaks, but is there anything in U.S. corporate military science history that makes you trust this endeavor? Are you concerned about any possible downside of having not novel nanotechnology implanted under your skin? But then again, those who have gotten the vaccines already have novel nanotechnology flowing through their bloodstream. As 60 Minutes and Colonel Halpern, Hepburn assure us, it's not some dreaded government microchip to track your every move. Yet yeah, that's not shady at all. 
the U.S. military, the top recipient of our tax dollars, the planet's worst polluter, and the world's number one invader and colonizer for more than a century, feels the need to publicly promise us that something we're paying them to do is not some dreaded government microchip. Now, I've already told you why science, including the new vaccines, cannot be blindly trusted. I've already detailed how the COVID-19 rules make no sense. Across the board, the more questions you ask, the more absurd it all gets. And now they want to convince us to line up for microchips. Is there anything from past experience to make you believe it will stop there? Before you know it, we'll have chips inserted for every possible condition and disorder. To submit to this blend of oppression and quackery is to relinquish what makes you human. When we come back, I'll expand this discussion to include something called smart dust. We have some cool news here at Post Woke. If you go to the show notes, you will find a link for merchandise, more specifically, a Post Woke Hello Free Thinkers t-shirt for only $19.99. I am requesting that you check it out, that you buy the shirt, that you buy it for others as a gift. You wear it around and you start conversations about this podcast and you spread the word about intellectual self-defense. So again, the link is in the show notes and I really appreciate your support. It's a cool shirt, a cool design, and um, it will be really awesome is if you do order it, please be sure to send me a selfie to the email address that's in the show notes. So I appreciate your support and let's get back to the show. Thanks to corporate media, anything outside the accepted parameters of debate for example, CNN versus Fox or New York Times versus Wall Street Journal, any of that is considered beyond the pale. Therefore, when I wish to introduce you to what the transhumanists in charge have planned for you, by default, I sound like a fringe weirdo in a tinfoil hat. This highly efficient system keeps the rabble in line by encouraging each of us to do the enforcing of such censorship in the name of justice or science, of course. But as far back as 2013, MIT was already talking about how smart dust could spy on your brain. Smart dust or neural dust is already here, already in use, and will soon be a daily part of your life, whether you ask for it or not. Are you okay with that? For clarification, smart dust comprises many small wireless systems, and these are tiny devices that have cameras, sensors, and communication mechanisms, which they use to transmit the data to be stored and processed further. The, the smart dust is connected to a computer network wirelessly and are distributed over a specific area to accomplish specific tasks. So you could probably see why they've been given the nickname of dust. In fact, they could even be distributed via tiny unmanned aircraft or drones that would serve as crop dusters of sort. Without being detective, they could spray the virtually invisible smart dust over a large area and collect information that way. They are so small, you'd never know they were there, perhaps gathering information on you. How small? The prototype smart dust currently measure point eight millimeters times three millimeters times one millimeter and can also be as small as one cubic millimeter or less in size. Now I'm sure some of you are already embracing this sci-fi kind of idea as yet another fine example of science. 
But before you get too misty-eyed about such progress, please allow me to remind you that Smart Dust was developed by, surprise, surprise, the US military. More specifically, it is the, bra the brainchild of the aforementioned DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency. These are the same folks who brought you mind control weapons, cyborg insects, synthetic blood, mechanical ele elephants, programmable shape-shifting matter, and so much more. So go back and replay the details I just supplied and recognize how easily smart dust could be weaponized. Even better, accept the reality that step one, as always, was weaponizing smart dust. And now digest the fact that those well-intentioned and good-hearted souls in the military who want to implant smart dust inside you just want to do it for your own good, of course. Now, Doug Weber is a DARPA program manager, and he explains that neural dust represents a radical departure from the traditional approach of using radio waves for wireless communication with implanted devices. The soft tissues of our bodies, he says, consist mostly of salt water. Sound waves pass freely through these tissues and can be focused with pinpoint accuracy at nerve targets deep inside our body, while radio waves cannot. Indeed, this is why sonar is used to image objects in the ocean, while radar is used to detect objects in the air. By using ultrasound to communicate with the neural dust, the sensors can be made smaller and placed deep inside your body by needle injection or other non-surgical approaches. Now, a few minutes ago, I told you about the Pentagon's openly discussed plan to insert microchips inside of us to protect us. With smart dust, they could just let the technology waft down from the sky and have you unknowingly inhale it. Why is no one talking about this? I ask you to also replay my media analysis for that answer. To, to even talk about smart dust is to be dismissed as a conspiracy theorist. Once again, those in power have trained the public to do the policing for them. Somewhere, Goebbels is drooling. All of this has become more easy to employ thanks to the so-called pandemic. To explain that, we need to meet one of the most powerful and influential elites who mostly flies under the radar, Klaus Schwab, the founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, WEF. He is also the author of a book called The Fourth Industrial Revolution. Here's how Schwab's WEF explains this concept. The first industrial revolution used water and steam to mechanize production. The second industrial revolution used electric power, which enabled it to create mass production. The third industrial revolution used electronics and information technology to automate production. According to Schwab and his ilk, the fourth industrial revolution is already building on the third, which was the digital revolution that has been occurring since the middle of the last century. The fourth rev industrial revolution is characterized by a fusion of technologies that is blurring the lines between the physical, digital, and biological spheres. This is transhumanism. It's an ideology that proposes that technology can and must enhance the human mind and body, and they are already working to prove this theory. Men like Schwab believe that we must connect the physical, digital, and biological do domains via steps like, quote, 
implantable technologies such as smart tattoos, smart dust, smart pills, and other implantable smart functionalities, close quote. They want to turn your heartbeat into your digital ID. Schwab and his ilk also support going on into areas like designing human genomes and simulating, monitoring, or even influencing brain activity, both in medical and non-medical applications. P.S. Elon Musk is already currently setting up a company that links brains and computers. Now, most people would have probably cast a wary side eye at such, such suggestions until COVID-19 happened. For two years now, the powers that shouldn't be have successfully scared the population into believing anything they decree. They've also coerced and manipulated billions into allowing novel nanotechnology to be injected into them without a second thought. Never mind thinking, the masses are lining up to serve as unpaid PR people for the experimental jab. With such widespread and enthusiastic compliance, there seems to be little to stand in the way of Schwab, the World Economic Forum, DARPA, Big Pharma, and the transhumanist agenda. They are counting on you to go along without asking too many questions. But there's the catch. You could still demand and reclaim autonomy over your mind and body. For starters, all you need to do is a little self-loving homework to see what they have planned for you, and then just say no. Unless, of course, you'd prefer having your consciousness uploaded to the cloud. Remember, if enough people refuse to partake in this madness, it can't and won't gain traction. The Pentagon, Big Tech, Big Pharma, all of them are banking on our willful ignorance and predictable compliance. Let's surprise them this time. I say we call bullshit. The entire house of cards collapses when we educate ourselves and start making informed decisions. That immense power lies in your hands. What will you do with it? Pro tip, decide quickly, free thinkers, because the powers that shouldn't be are moving rapidly. I'll be right back with my story of the week. This story sort of discusses a different form of surveillance, someone, a form far more simplistic and primitive. Because once upon a time, I decided to keep a diary. I was going on 14 years old, and the irresistible pull towards writing was already strong. Also, my friends and I were having an awful lot of fun. So what better way to practice writing than to maintain a diary of our adventures? I kept track of everything fights, mis miscellaneous criminal acts, drug use, school hijinks, fun with girls, etc. And I kept it, wait for it, under my mattress. Isn't that where everyone hid their diary back then? Needless to say, my mother found it when she stripped my bed to wash the sheet. I got home from the eighth grade that day and she was livid, confronting me with a series of questions that began with, is it true that you Cool under pressure, even at that age, I came up with an instant alibi. My friends and I, you see, were all writing made-up stories about ourselves and were planning to read them aloud one night, sort of like a contest. Because I think she wanted so badly to believe me, my mom kind of sort of did. When my dad walked in the door later, he had already been briefed on the phone. He made a beeline for me, so I quickly put my desk chair between he and I. This slowed him down and eased his fury. Long story short, 
My parents straddled the line be by saying they believed me, but I was grounded anyway for all the bad language I used in the diary. How long was the grounding? They wouldn't say. The next day at school, I broke the news to my crew. Without hesitation, they all urged me to run away from home. When the end of the day bell rang, I was in no hurry to go home and be stuck there, so I hung out at the corner drugstore to talk about this running away idea. Some of the older guys showed up and were quickly filled in on the situation. Eddie, RIP, sternly gave me this sage advice. Dudes do not keep diaries. Only chicks keep diaries. I felt mortified in front of my elders and heroes. That said, everyone in the drugstore meeting agreed that running away was the only solution. In fact, another older dude that we called Rat said that Tommy D's parents were going on an overnight trip that Friday. It was Thursday at the time. The older guys were all going to stay over at his place, so I'd be welcome to crash there if I ran away. That sounded about as cool as anything I could ever imagine at that point. My crew was jealous. Capo, Buse, and Botch suddenly started digging up stories about how their parents were also mean enough to warrant running away. By the time I trudged home, it was all set. All four of us would run away on Friday and stay at Tommy D's house with the older gang. No one had asked Tommy yet, but everyone knew his answer would be yes. I was stuck home that night, so I read and watched sports in my room, secretly packing a getaway bag. The guilt got to me, though, when I imagined how scared my mom would be if I just disappeared. Right before bed, I told her about my plot. She did not freak out. I think she was also imagining the horror of her son just vanishing. Since dad was out working, remember he was a federal agent with federal agent hours, she said she'd ask him later if I could sleep over with my friends the next night. Side note, I did not tell her it was at one of the older guy's house with no parents there. Spoiler alert. Dad said yes. The next day at St. Patrick's Grammar School, my friends and I confessed to each other that we all simply asked our parents if we could have a sleepover that night. As far as all four sets of parents knew, it was a supervised hangout of just us four at one of our houses or apartments. We pledged to never tell the older guys that this was not a badass runaway scheme. After dinner on Friday, I met up with my three buddies and we made our way to Tommy's house. It had snowed overnight, and this surely meant we'd get blasted in a snowball fight with the older dudes, but we did not care. This would be a night to remember. We dropped off our stuff with Tommy and went up to the local liquor store. A quart of Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill wine was only a quarter back then. I just checked. It's only $5 for the same amount today. That should give you an idea of the quality of that potent potable. We'd, a we'd ask one of a passing man for a quarter. We'd ask the next passing man if he'd go in and buy the wine for us. After a few tries, we had a court for us and a court to give Tommy as a thank you. That night, me and the guys sat around with a pack of older guys as they told stories and ripped on each other and us while the wine and weed was passed around. We were already in heaven, but then things really took a leap when Rat suggested we go out. It was at least midnight, and the thought of prowling the late-night neighborhood with our elders was perfection. Much delinquency was perpetrated as we sloshed through the melting snow, but I'll focus on one particular episode. When we walked past the local topless joint, Eddie stopped. He assured us that if we stood at precisely, precisely the right angle near the door, we would get a very brief view of the dancers every time a customer either entered or left. Eddie was not wrong. 
was it just plain ridiculous for 14 year olds to be sneaking peeks into a topless bar at maybe one in the morning, no less? Of course it was, and I'm not proud of it. But damn, if we weren't innocent compared to today's boys with essentially a free pornography machine in their pockets. Plus, in those days, the dancers were local women looking to make a few extra bucks. No plastic surgery or pole gymnastics. I'm not condoning it. I'm just explaining it. Anyway, by the time we got back to Tommy's, everyone pretty much nodded off. It was nerve-wracking to worry about the older guys playing pranks on us as we slept, but everybody was too wasted and tired for that. In the morning, the reality hit me. I was hungover, exhausted from a lack of sleep, and there was no breakfast waiting for me. I made up a story about how worried my mom must be and headed out to make my way home in the snow. How was it? Mom cheerily asked as I entered our humble abode. Want some eggs or pancakes? I assured her that, I assured her that my sleepover was fun and that, yes, indeed, a big breakfast sounded like a very excellent idea. The entire episode started with some ill-advised diary entries, and here I am, a million years later, writing about events that would have surely gotten me grounded yet again. Who says dudes don't keep diaries? I want to thank you for listening as always. Please spread the word. Please subscribe. It's only $5 a month. But most importantly, please keep your guard up. <laughs>